We'll be starting at verse 1 of chapter 46, all the way through to the end of chapter 47. So Israel took his journey with all that he had and came to Beersheba and offered sacrifices to the God of his father Isaac. And God spoke to Israel in visions of the night and said, Jacob, Jacob. And he said, Here I am. Then he said, I am God, the God of your father. Do not be afraid to go down to Egypt, for there I will make you into a great nation. I myself will go down with you to Egypt, and I will also bring you up again, and Joseph's hand shall close your eyes. Then Jacob set out from Beersheba. The sons of Israel carried Jacob their father, their little ones and their wives, in the wagons that Pharaoh had sent to carry him. They also took their livestock and their goods, which they had gained in the land of Canaan, and came into Egypt, Jacob and all his offspring with him, his sons and his sons' sons with him, his daughters and his sons' daughters, all his offspring he brought with him into Egypt. Now these are the names of the descendants of Israel who came into Egypt, Jacob and his sons, Reuben, Jacob's firstborn, and the sons of Reuben, Hanoch, Palu, Hezron, and Carmi, the sons of Simeon, Jemuel, Jamin, Ohad, Jachin, Zohar, and Shaul, the son of a Canaanite woman, the sons of Levi, Gershon, Kohah, and Merari, the sons of Judah, Er, Onan, Shelah, Perez, and Zerah, but Er and Onan died in the land of Canaan, and the sons of Perez were Hezron and Hamul, the sons of Issachar, Tola, Puva, Job, and Shimron, the sons of Zebulun, Sered, Elon, and Jalheel, these are the sons of Leah, whom she bore to Jacob in Padan Aram, together with his daughter Dinah. Altogether, his sons and his daughters numbered 33. The sons of Gad, Ziphion, Haggai, Shunai, Esbon, Eri, Arodi, and Ereli. The sons of Asher, Imna, Ishva, Ishvi, Beria, with Sarah, their sister. And the sons of Beria, Heber, and Malchiel. These are the sons of Zilpah, whom Laban gave to Leah, his daughter. And these she bore to Jacob, 16 persons. The sons of Rachel, Jacob's wife, Joseph and Benjamin. And to Joseph in the land of Egypt were born Manasseh and Ephraim, whom Asenath, the daughter of Potiphar, the priest of On, bore to him. And the sons of Benjamin, Bela, Becher, Ashbel, Gera, Naaman, Ehi, Rosh, Mupin, Hupim, and Ard. These are the sons of Rachel who were born to Jacob, 14 persons in all. The son of Dan, Hushim, the sons of Naphtali, Jahzeel, Guni, Jezer, and Shilem. These are the sons of Bilhah, whom Laban gave to Rachel, his daughter, and these she bore to Jacob, seven persons in all. All the persons belonging to Jacob who came into Egypt, who were his own descendants, not including Jacob's sons' wives, were 66 persons in all. And the sons of Joseph, who were born to him in Egypt, were two. All the persons of the house of Jacob who came into Egypt were 70. He had sent Judah ahead of him to Joseph to show the way before him in Goshen, and they came into the land of Goshen. Then Joseph prepared his chariot and went up to meet Israel, his father, in Goshen. He presented himself to him and fell on his neck and wept on his neck a good while. Israel said to Joseph, Now let me die, since I have seen your face and know that you are still alive. Joseph said to his brothers and to his father's household, I will go up and tell Pharaoh and will say to him, My brothers and my father's household who were in the land of Canaan have come to me, and the men are shepherds, 
for they have been keepers of livestock, and they have brought their flocks and their herds and all that they have. When Pharaoh calls you and says, What is your occupation? You shall say, Your servants have been keepers of livestock from our youth even until now, both we and our fathers, in order that you may dwell in the land of Goshen, for every shepherd is an abomination to the Egyptians. So Joseph went in and told Pharaoh, My father and my brothers, with their flocks and herds and all that they possess, have come from the land of Canaan. They are now in the land of Goshen. And from among his brothers he took five men and presented them to Pharaoh. Pharaoh said to his brothers, What is your occupation? And they said to Pharaoh, Your servants are shepherds, as our fathers were. They said to Pharaoh, We have come to sojourn in the land, for there is no pasture for your servants' flocks, for the famine is severe in the land of Canaan. And now, please, let your servants dwell in the land of Goshen. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, Your father and your brothers have come to you. The land of Egypt is before you. Settle your father and your brothers in the best of the land. Let them settle in the land of Goshen. And if you know any able men among them, put them in charge of my livestock. Then Joseph brought in Jacob his father and stood him before Pharaoh. And Jacob blessed Pharaoh. And Pharaoh said to Jacob, How many are the days of the years of your life? And Jacob said to Pharaoh, The days of the years of my sojourning are 130 years. Few and evil have been the days of the years of my life, and they have not attained to the days of the years of the life of my fathers in the days of their sojourning. And Jacob blessed Pharaoh and went out from the presence of Pharaoh. Then Joseph settled his father and his brothers and gave them a possession in the land of Egypt, in the best of the land, in the land of Ramesses, as Pharaoh had commanded. And Joseph provided his father, his brothers, and all his father's household with food according to the number of their dependents. Now there was no food in all the land, for the famine was very severe, so that the land of Egypt and the land of Canaan languished by reason of the famine. And Joseph gathered up all the money that was found in the land of Egypt and in the land of Canaan in exchange for the grain that they bought. And Joseph brought the money into Pharaoh's house. And when the money was all spent in the land of Egypt, in the land of Canaan, all the Egyptians came to Joseph and said, Give us food. Why should we die before your eyes? For our money is gone. And Joseph answered, Give your livestock, and I will give you food in exchange for your livestock if your money is gone. So they brought their livestock to Joseph And Joseph gave them food in exchange for the horses, the flocks, the herds, and the donkeys. He supplied them with food in exchange for all their livestock that year. And when that year was ended, they came to him the following year and said to him, We will not hide from my Lord that our money is all spent. The herds of livestock are my Lord's. There is nothing left in the sight of my Lord but our bodies and our land. Why should we die before your eyes, both we and our land? Buy us and our land for food. And we with our land will be servants to Pharaoh, and give us seed that we may live and not die, and that the land may not be desolate. So Joseph bought all the land of Egypt for Pharaoh, for all the Egyptians sold their fields, because the famine was severe on them. The land became Pharaoh's. As for the people, he made servants of them from one end of Egypt to the other. Only the land of the priests he did not buy, for the priests had a fixed allowance from Pharaoh and lived on the allowance that Pharaoh gave them. Therefore, they did not sell their land. Then Joseph said to the people, Behold, I have this day bought you and your land for Pharaoh. Now here is seed for you, and you shall sow the land. And at the harvest you shall give a fifth to Pharaoh, and four-fifths shall be your own, as seed for the field, and as food for yourselves and your household, and as food for your little ones. And they said, 
You have saved our lives. May it please my Lord. We will be servants to Pharaoh. So Joseph made it a statute concerning the land of Egypt, and it stands to this day that Pharaoh should have the fifth. The land of the priests alone did not become Pharaoh's. Thus, Israel settled in the land of Egypt, in the land of Goshen, and they gained possession in it and were fruitful and multiplied greatly. And Jacob lived in the land of Egypt for 17 years. So the days of Jacob, the years of his life, were 147 years. And when the time drew near that Israel must die, he called his son Joseph and said to him, If now I have found favour in your sight, put your hand under my thigh and promise to deal kindly and truly with me. Do not bury me in Egypt, but let me lie with my fathers. Carry me out of Egypt and bury me in their burying place. He answered, I will do as you have said. And he said, Swear to me. And he swore to him. Then Israel bowed his head upon the head of his bed. Let me pray just before we start. Father, we um, give you thanks for your word. We pray tonight that you would help us to grasp and marvel once more at your faithful and wonderful character. Please would you, by your Holy Spirit, um, renew our affections for you tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Great. Um, Do keep um, Genesis 46 and 47 open in front of you. And just before we dive in, um, I wanted to check something. I wonder if anyone else has experienced this phenomenon that I've experienced the last few weeks as we've gone through Joseph's story in Genesis. And that is that on the way home from church on a Sunday night, someone from your household will not stop singing their show tunes to Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat musical. Has that happened to anyone? No one is nodding. Oh, Mary, yes, thank you. Well, tonight, you'll be glad to hear that we come to where the musical ends. And Jacob is finally reunited with his lost son, Joseph. And the narrative actually changes focus. I wonder if you noticed, these chapters aren't so much about Joseph anymore, but they're about Jacob. Before we dive into some of the details that we saw um, earlier on, it's good to remember what Jacob's situation, what his life was like before this move to Egypt. In particular, one major event in Jacob's life is quite pertinent to today's narrative. I wonder if you might have picked that up. Back in chapter 28, Jacob had this dream with a staircase to heaven where God spelled out his promise to him as he had to his fathers Isaac and Abraham before him that he would make of Jacob a great nation and through his descendants all nations would be blessed and that God would be with him and would give to him the land of Canaan. In summary, there would be God's people established in God's place under God's rule. That's what God promised would happen through Jacob. And since that Dream since that promise to Jacob, um, it's not like um, his life's been plain sailing. He's had his fair share of ups and downs. Um, you can think of maybe some of the stories attached to some of those names in that genealogy. Some stories full of deceit, sorrow, cheating, pain. Jacob, who has experienced blessing but also tribulation, now an old man, bereft of a son, starving with his family in the land that God promised him would be where he would bless his people, how do you think he would be feeling towards God? 
What do you think Jacob makes of God's promises to him at this point, before he hears the good news of Joseph? Actually, we'll come back to that question in our second point. Um, I think you'll find the answer is quite surprising. The answer might surprise you. But for now, we see old man Jacob, close to death, at a heavy 130 years old, getting up to leave Canaan and go see his son before he dies. And I'm sure that's a wonderful thing for him. I'm sure he's feeling great. Think of families today when they, they get reunited with their children, long-lost children, kidnapped children. This is wonderful. Well, what Jacob and his family are about to experience is beyond what any of them could imagine. Not only is Jacob reunited with his son, I'm sure that would have been good enough, but they are about to see what the faithfulness of God to his promises, particularly those promises that Jacob received, looks like. And that's primarily what we'll be thinking about tonight. The faithfulness of God, the character of God. What we're about to see through Jacob's eyes is what God is like. And what we'll find is that he is faithful to his promises and he will bless his chosen people. And he's wonderfully consistent and he is loving and he's always in line with his promises. Um, so the first point on your sheets, um, God blesses his chosen people through his chosen man. It's good to remember what we saw uh, last week, that the brothers, after Joseph's test, they have repented. Joseph reveals himself, he loves them and embraces them and makes clear that he is in the position that he is in so that he can bless them. Have a look at chapter 45, verse 7, just to, uh, for a quick reminder. What Joseph says to them, he says, And God sent me before you to preserve for you a remnant on earth, and to keep you alive for many survivors. Joseph sees that where he is, he is where he is to preserve this family through this famine so that they can multiply and grow. And so what happens when Jacob and his family arrive in Egypt to meet Joseph? Well, boy, does he provide for them. They arrive, all 66 of them, 70 if you count Joseph and his sons and Jacob, and Joseph knows exactly what to do. He gives them a little team briefing before they go in to see Pharaoh in verses 31 to 34 of chapter 46. Joseph knows exactly what to say to get what he wants from his boss. And I'm sure some of us have experienced in that. I wouldn't know anything about it. And what are the results? Even though, have a look at verse 34, even though every shepherd is an abomination to the Egyptians, Joseph makes sure that his family not only get to continue in their profession of shepherding, but Pharaoh even asks for some of them to be in charge of his livestock. Not only do they get some land to be able to dwell in, better than the one they had in Canaan, they get the best of the land. Have a look at verse 6 of chapter 47. Pharaoh says, the land of Egypt is before you. Settle your father and your brothers in the best of the land. Let them settle in the land of Goshen. And if you know any able men among them, put them in charge of my livestock. I mean, this is unprecedented. This is incredible. This is a better deal than the Egyptians get in their own land. All 70 of them of them cared for and accounted for. So the narrator summarizes in verse 12 of chapter 47. And Joseph provided his father and his brothers and all his father's household with food according to the number of their dependents. Not one 
slips through the net. All of them are provided for and cared for. And it is amazing how God can bless his people through his chosen person. Joseph's life was by no means easy, but in the end, he is in a position to be able to bless lavishly whom he chooses. And we've seen in the last few weeks that Joseph is God's chosen man in the same way that Jesus is. And Joseph is determined to bless his family as Joseph is determined to bless his family. So Jesus is, under his rule, God's people, those who have repented and received forgiveness from Jesus as the brothers did from Joseph, they will receive abundant blessing. And it's a blessing beyond expectations. How often do we consider this? How often do we meditate upon this? How absolutely determined Jesus is to bless those in his family. And I don't mean, what I don't mean is that now in this life, I should be expecting to experience physical blessings of God to pour down on me from heaven at all times. Joseph's life and Jacob's life should teach us not to expect God's blessing in that way. The Bible teaches not to expect life to be like that, but it also teaches us, and we're getting a glimpse of it here, to expect an exceptional future blessing to come. We should be expectant of the wonderful, full, and complete fulfillment of all that God has promised he would achieve for you through his chosen man, Jesus. In fact, often that knowledge is what keeps us going through the difficult times. God's people with God, finally in God's place. That's what Jesus on the cross achieves. The cross, the gospel, is salvation from sin, yes, but it's resurrection to eternal life with God. It's being with him finally. It's seeing his face. It's that place in Revelation 21. No more tears, no more pain, no more sorrow, no more sin, no more famine, no more death. All former things will pass away. And we look forward to that. Often we find it difficult to think about or or comprehend this inheritance to come. We just talk about heaven being like a, a good place for good, boring people. They go there. And over time, that becomes all that that is. But in this story, I think we get a wonderful sense of what Jesus' blessings to us will be like. Think about... Um, Think about Joseph's brothers, the ones who sinned against Joseph. Imagine what they would have felt after their meeting with Pharaoh when they got the land and they got to keep doing what they're doing. How would they have looked at Joseph? Can you imagine the relief, the peace? Maybe they, maybe they turned to Joseph and they embraced him and they said, thank you, brother. I do not deserve this. This is more than I ever could have imagined. And that's how we feel when we think of Jesus, isn't it? The one who shed his blood for us to provide for us everything that we need for eternity. If maybe there's 
one thought that you can take away with you tonight to meditate upon this week. Maybe it's this, what Jesus has achieved for me, being with him finally, perfectly, is more than I could ever imagine or I deserve. God is committed to blessing his chosen family through his chosen man, and yet that is how good it is to be under Jesus' rule. It is eternal security. It's real hope. And if you're here tonight, maybe you wouldn't call yourself a Christian. Maybe you've gone, you thought that being a Christian is about kind of being a good person and God will be good to you and you'll do nice things for you. Let me tell you, that is far from the truth. Jacob has not been the holiest man (laughs) during his life. How is he getting all this? He certainly hasn't earned any of it. But God has committed himself to him. And so he does experience this blessing. For us Christians, we know that God has committed himself to us because Jesus has given his life to pardon our sin. And let me say again, that doesn't mean that things for us are easy or comfortable, but it means that we're secure. And we're secure forever. And Jesus is the one who does and will deliver that everlasting security, that peace, that provision. And that's wonderful. So if that's you, please chat to the person who brought you or with myself afterwards if you'd like to know more, if you have any question. But all this blessing that we have to look forward to, how does it come about? Because of God's chosen man. And why does he bless? Because God has promised it should be so. And underneath all these turn of events, that promise to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob that we thought about at the beginning, that should be ringing in our ears. And it was ringing in Jacob's ears also. Um, So we'll move on to point number two in our sheets. God is completely faithful to his promises to Jacob and to us. Think again of that promise that Jacob received in chapter 28, God's people will be in God's place with God perfectly. And if you haven't already noticed, what we see in these chapters is a little taste of these promises coming true. In fact, they're at the bookends of the passages, start and the finish. Have a look at the end, 47, 27. Thus Israel settled in the land of Egypt, in the land of Goshen, and they gained possessions in it and were fruitful and multiplied greatly. A nation is being born. Flick a page back to 46, chapter 3. What is it that God promises will happen when Jacob goes to Egypt? Do not be afraid to go down to Egypt, for there I will make you into a great nation. After all that has happened to Joseph, and all the mess of Jacob's life up to this point, here we see a great nation being formed, God's people. Not only that, but the nations surrounding this family are being blessed too. Look at how the Egyptians react to Joseph's rule. In 47.25, they say, you have saved our lives. Exactly as the promise had predicted. The nations will be blessed also. I asked earlier on what we thought Jacob would be feeling about God's promise before he heard the news of Joseph. You might have thought he was 
not feeling that great about it, maybe not trusting it, maybe doubting. But actually, I think Jacob was still trusting in God despite the pain and the difficulty. I think we just have to take a closer look at his actions, again, at the beginning at the end. On his way out of Canaan at the beginning, Jacob stops at Beersheba to offer sacrifices. Why? Because however resolute Jacob is to see his long-lost son, he knows that God's promises are tied to Canaan, and he expect, he's expecting that it is in this land that God will make true what he has said. And Jacob doesn't want to disobey God. He trusts God. He's expectant of the promises, but he also loves his son and wants to go see him. And how relieved he must have been when God said, do not be afraid. Go down to Egypt, for there I will make you into a great nation. God, merciful and loving as always, allows Jacob to leave for Egypt as well as further his fulfillment of his promises. And at the end of the story, after 17 years in Egypt, seeing the promises of God actually play out in front of his eyes, seeing his family growing into a great nation, seeing the nations blessed because of them, Jacob is adamant that he's buried in Canaan. Why? Because he knows that God promised that it is in that land, not Egypt, that he will fulfill all of his blessings. Jacob knows that what he has witnessed are wonderful fulfillments of the promise received, but they're only glimpses into a greater future. And so, by his actions, we know and we see that Jacob has always been looking forward to the day when God will ensure that God's people, are, his nation, are under his rule, in his place. He hasn't been doubting, I don't think. He's trusting. I think he's just, he's mature enough to know in his old age that God is faithful. We see that brilliantly in his interaction with Pharaoh. Look at the analysis that he has of his own life. Verse 9 of chapter 47. And Jacob said to Pharaoh, the days, of my, the days of the years of my sojourning are 130 years. Few and evil have been the days of the years of my life. Few and evil. It's a very sobering analysis. And it's surreal. <laughs> Maybe you can relate. And yet, they aren't the years of his life, per se, the years of his sojourning, his traveling through a foreign land. He knew in his life that this wasn't home. And what hope did he have beyond these evil and short days of his life to be able to call them a sojourning? Why is it that he wants to offer sacrifices and his leaving of Canaan. Why does he want to be buried in Canaan? Because God made a promise to him. And God is faithful. And Jacob expects the promises to come true. And he knows that. Jacob held on to that promise. But all that went on in his life, his wives, the drama, the heartaches surrounding that, his son who died 
the famine that was threatening to wipe them out, Jacob held on to the promise. He hadn't earned it, but God said it would be so. Well, we know a bit more than Jacob did as to how God will make these promises for his people come true. And as Joseph ensured God's promised blessings came true to Jacob and his family, we look to Jesus as the one who ensures God's blessings and his promises come true for us. All of God's promises are yes in him. And so like Jacob, we appreciate this story for what it is. It's a beautiful taste of what is to come. And we keep on trusting. Maybe take a second to look back in your own life, as old man Jacob does, and he reflects. Maybe like him, your years have been evil, hard, tough, full of sorrow, difficult. And listen to what God promises to you through Jesus. This is what Peter says in his letter. He says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice. Though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Jacob and his family got to experience a little taste of what God's fulfilled promises would look like, and it blew them away. We have an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for us, and guarded through our faith in Jesus' death and resurrection for the forgiveness of sins. And so, in the same way, Jacob is able to rest his head nearing the end of his life in full confidence that God will come through on what he has promised. We can have confidence because Jacob's God was a faithful, trustworthy God, and that is our God. And so when we face difficulties in our lives, when we face death, we must remember that our God is not some fickle deity, but he is true and faithful to his people. And he will bless them through his son, Jesus. Jacob gets a little taste of these blessings. And we get a little taste of what they will be like when they are fully realized. What a wonderful day. That will be that day when we will all finally, as God's people, dwell in God's place, perfectly under his rule. And I don't know what you think that day will be like, but I think from this passage, you're probably thinking too little. There'll be so much more than any of us can, can imagine, or any of us deserve. Maybe think back again on your years as a Christian. Maybe you've been a Christian your whole life. Maybe it's been 10 years, 20 years, 30 years. Has God not been faithful? 
Has your life not been as the Bible would lead you to expect it should be? Yes, ups and downs. But he with you, keeping you safe for this little while, as Peter says. Faith secured, hope secured, inheritance secured. If you can see that as you look back in your life, expect that to continue. If you can't see that, know that he has been. And he will continue to be forever. God has promised he will bless his chosen people through his chosen man, Jesus. What God has promised he will achieve because he's a faithful God. Let's pray together. Lord, we praise you for your steadfast love and your mercy towards us. Thank you that whatever is going on in our lives, you are the ultimate constant. You are faithful and you are committed to seeing your promises through. And we long for the day when we will be able to experience fully your blessings and your provisions to us. When we see you face to face for an eternity together. In Jesus' name, amen.